I'm not supposed to be here. I was told I would die before my 28th birthday, yet I am 50 years old. I'm a wife, a mother, a grandmother, and I have an amazing life despite living with two terminal illnesses. It's time for me to share my story before I can't. So here it goes. I'm Kelly Wilson, and this is my life in pieces. Hi, Kelly. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So today we're going to be talking about your when you were homeless as a young child. And just before we start off, a little disclaimer that this all took place back in 1983. And obviously the world was a very different place than it is now. And disciplining children was very different in how mental health was approached. So as a disclaimer, this took place a little while ago. So any of the methods that applied were because of the year that it was in. Um, So Kelly, if you could just kind of explain what it was like in your household, who lived with you, who was with you, um, any siblings or anything like that? Well, uh, so I'm the middle child of three girls. And um, at the time that I left home, I was 13. Um, And prior to that, my parents separated and divorced when I was seven. And I think from then on, things changed for me. And I began feeling angry and, you know, started probably a little younger being rebellious, maybe at uh, 10, 11. Um, And because of some things that were happening in my house, or not in my house, um, <clears throat> behind the scenes, I think I was just hard to live with. Absolutely. So what was your relationship like with your mom and your sisters back then? Well, my sisters were um, kind of better friends than I was. I felt that there was no room for me. Um, not from a physical perspective, but uh, they really didn't like me. I was kind of the black sheep of the family. And um, with my mom, my mom, uh, you know, worked to support three children being a single mother. And, you know, I guess I felt a lot of the times like I just was uh, alone or, you know, and became independent I think, um, at a very, very young age. Yeah. And you had said that you left at 13. So walk us through kind of the events that took place, what you think kind of pushed your mom to seek counsel. Cause if your followers have read your blog post, you did see a counselor when you were very young because of your behavior. So what do you think pushed your mom over the edge and made her seek counsel for you? Well, I just think I was angry. I didn't want to go by the rules. Um, I didn't want to, you know, involve myself in family things that, you know, I just was not a happy child at that point. And my mother tried everything that she could and she took me to um, counseling for quite a while. And um, yeah, it was the counselor that I went to 
did not connect with at all. And I'm not sure I would have connected with any at that time, looking back, just because, um, you know, she wanted me to tell her my innermost secrets and things that were going on. Um, and I just wasn't willing to talk to her at all. And uh, eventually the counselor suggested that your mom try a few different things. If you want to explain what those were from kind of your mom's point of view, if you can. Um, Well, I mean, my mother did the right things, I think, as far as, you know, seeking counseling and doing whatever she could for me um and my other sisters too I you know they had gone to counseling back then too we I think went as a family and um but this one particular day we uh left the counselor and my mother told me that she was going to lock me in my room and this is all suggested by the counselor I might add um she was going to lock me in my room for the first week and I would only come out for meals The second week, I was going to be locked in my room, come out for meals, and do one chore. And the third week, um, I was allowed out to do one chore and have one half-hour privilege, whether that be a TV show or a telephone call or to play a game, something like that. So you went home and basically your mom sent you up to your room and was told to lock you in was advised to lock you in your room and you were only able to come out for meals how did that make you feel when you initially got that information from her totally pissed I was like I am not going to stay here um so just to give you a little bit of uh it was a bungalow and my my bedroom was in the basement and the back Uh, you came up some stairs to a landing to the door and then there was another set of stairs that went up to the kitchen kind of like a split entry style at the back so um, when she told me that I just went into my room and the lock that was on my door was a little just hook and eye lock it wouldn't have kept a three-year-old in there I don't think and and so um, I went in and packed my stuff and opened the door with a little bit of force and uh, walked up to the back door. And yeah, I was heading out. Yeah. And you're, and did your mom try to stop you by that point? Or did she know that you had left? No, she heard me coming up the door, uh, up to the door. And so I got uh, there and she was in front of the door and she said, you're not leaving. And I said, move or I'm going to move you. And um, I pushed her out of the way, not, you know, shoved her, but moved her out of the way. And I opened the door and I remember turning around and my older sister was at the top of the stairs and she just looked at me and said, you'll be back in a week. And I went out and shut the door and I never went back. And I know in your blog post, you say that your stubbornness was the really big thing for you that you weren't going to go back and prove your sister was right. Um, Even though you did feel very stubborn at the time, did you have any regrets when you first walked out that door? Like, was there initial panic that hit you kind of describe the emotions that hit you when you walked out the door and you're like, okay, this is it. I'm not going back here. 
Well, I remember thinking, you know, I was just going to go to a coffee shop and get myself a hot chocolate and probably come home. But I was stubborn. And I think it just went from there. I don't even remember where I went that day. I just remember, um, you know, uh, how I felt about not wanting to go home. And from then on, I just started kind of staying at friends' places. Um, you know, I'd overstay my welcome very easily at some people's house. I mean, you can't sleep on people's couches forever. And so there would be times that I would be, you know, uh, staying at a friend's and then the next night really not have any idea where I would go. And during, during this time, because you, how long were you out of your home? Technically homeless? Um, till I was almost 16. And when I say homeless, um, I just want to clarify that, you know, every night I didn't sleep on the streets or, on a park bench or, you know, there was those nights, there was nights that I stay in a 24 hour coffee shop all night long and, uh, um, just sit there and, and not have money for, you know, uh, hot chocolate or anything. And, and there was other places I would go longer stints and I would stay at, at someone else's house. Um, but you know, I had everything that I owned in a backpack and, uh, I really, there was never any place to call home. I just was, um, every day not knowing where I was going to get my next meal or my head. So for you being homeless was more that you just couldn't be in your own home or in your family. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't ever remember even trying to go back until I was um, almost 16. I, I just kind of floated around the world. I, I tried to go to school when I first left home. So I was still going to school because I was in middle school. I was, you know, 13 at the time that I left. I just turned 13 about a month and a half, two months prior to. And you know, so school was out because I left in the end of June. And so September, I did start school. And um, that was difficult. Uh, and that eventually, I didn't stay in school because, you know, I just didn't have any structure, or any, any, you know, home life. And like I said, every day was a whole new ball of wax. Did you encounter people along the couple of years that you were out of your house that tried to get you to go back? Did you ever go back and see that counselor or have teachers try and take you home? Anything like that or friends, parents? No, um, I do remember when I first left. Uh, my mother and I and 
uh, a bunch of people were at a meeting. It was like social services at the time called now social development. And she wanted to try to get me to come home. And I just told them, I'm not going. And if you try to make me go, I'm just going to run away again. So there was never any more effort after that to try to bring me home or, um, yeah. So there was, there was at one point where your mom tried and then from then on, she kind of just let you do your own thing. Did she yeah, know that you had uh, left school? Yeah. Yeah. She eventually did, but I didn't have a lot of contact with her. Um, she, when her and I had a conversation more recently about this, she did remind me that I would call every now and again just to let her know that I was okay. And, uh, but I certainly didn't go visit. I didn't have really, and no contact with my sisters at all. I didn't even lay eyes on them for over two years. And, uh, so, uh, but every now and again, I would give my mom a call just to say, Hey, in in your blog post, you talk about running into some not so great influences. What do you think kept you from giving into the influences around you, drugs and alcohol at a very young age? What do you think kept you from going down a different path than you than you did? Well, I think there was a couple of things. Um, first of all, uh, also back then, you know, the things that were uh, going around back then certainly aren't what's out there today. And, um, you know, people would uh, smoke marijuana. And I always said no. And so eventually, and not said no enough time just pass it by me and people would say oh no she doesn't do that or whatever and fear was probably the biggest one I always was afraid of getting hurt or or dying or whatever and so I really thought that um if I did drugs that was going to happen or you know I remember one time I was uh in a car and I was young, like 13, and I was maybe 14. And I was in this car with a guy that had been drinking. And I made them pull over on the side of the road. And I would have been at least 20 kilometers from Fredericton. And I made them pull over on the side of the road and let me out. And I walked all the way back to town. And just fear was one thing. And the other was, I think I just knew that I wanted my life to be different um not be this way and somehow I was gonna somehow I was going to get out of the situation and and someday be successful or have a life and yeah you just always and I I think that you would be seen now as someone even at 13 14 15 with very strong values and yes, maybe a little bit stubborn, but you just, you knew that things were going to get better for you. And you, I know in your blog post, you talk about, you used to daydream about you're having a mansion and having a car. Tell me about like what kind of comfort those thoughts brought for you. 
Um, I, I did a lot of daydreaming. Like I remember I would be walking and, and like, I had a pair of shoes and the balls of my feet were worn through these shoes from walking so much. And, and I, I literally would talk to myself. I would have, it sounds like, you know, silly, but I would, and I would pretend in my mind that I, you know, would live in a big mansion. There's a house down by the water um, here. And um, I still look at that house and I thought someday I'm going to buy that house. Now, I don't want it now as an adult, but it was so grandiose. And I, I remember thinking I wanted a black, really cool car. Well, almost every vehicle I've owned is black and I have a, you know, nice little car now. And, you know, so I think that it was just dreaming bigger. And even though the situation was the way it was, it didn't always have to be that way. And I just kept wanting to be in a different situation. You just always had, even though you were facing so many scary things all at once, you just always had a positive mindset, which is impressive for a a teenager. Like I couldn't imagine going through the things that you went through as a teenager. I would have stayed locked in my bedroom forever because I was terrified of my dad. (laughs) But like the (laughs) fact that you were like, nope, this isn't going to be the life for me. If this is what happens then I'm going to leave. And, and now as an adult, you look back at your mom's decision and, and how do you feel about the decisions that she made back then? Well, I am thankful um, because she was doing exactly what she thought was right at the time with the information she'd got from the professionals. She loved me and I, I knew that, but um, the decisions that she made created uh, who I am today. And I know that's like a cliche, but two weeks before I turned 16, I went to a local park and there was a payphone, and I called and I said, I am ready to come home. I'm going to go by the rules. I'm going to, you know, and she said, I can't let you come home because if you come home, Um, your sisters will leave and I can't risk that. So I remember hanging up the phone and thinking, wow, I'm out in this big old bad world all by myself because I always thought I had a home to go to if I wanted to. And that moment I realized that I didn't. And I don't fault her for that conversation, but I know her and I've discussed that. And she said that was the worst moment of her life. And she will never, you know, um, I think forgive herself for that. And I am so thankful that that conversation happened. I can't even tell you. I realized then I got to get my shit together. And even though I was not quite 16, that was a pivotal moment that you take the high road or the low road. And I could have really spiraled down in and, you know, taken on a really um, 
negative life and instead I walked across the bridge and got myself a job and and never looked back and had she given me that out I think I would be not um, as resilient or as strong as I am today and there's been other things in my life that I've had to face that I needed to be tough and I am. Absolutely. And talk to us a little bit because I love the story about when you walked across the bridge and went to Tim Hortons. Tell us a little bit about that story and how one person and one conversation right after, like very soon after that phone call had happened to you, changed your entire life. So I walked across the bridge and there was a Tim Hortons on the other side and the gentleman that owned it, he was there at the time. He was still very much a, you know, a presence. I think he did the hiring and the firing and I walked in and I couldn't work because back then you couldn't work till you were 16. You had to have your social insurance number. And so I was two weeks from that. And I went in there and I said, I needed a job. And I wanted to work 11 at night till seven in the morning. And because I had gotten back in school at, you know, different periods of time. And at that time I was back in school and he said, sure, that I could have a job. And he asked me how I was eating. And I said, I'll be fine now that I got this job. And, you know, I just saw so much potential and I was so excited and So he gave me $20 and he said, uh, go get yourself a steak. And I thought I hit the jackpot. I don't know how long that $20 lasted me, but uh, a long time. And today I, you know, I've spoke to him about it and there, that's a whole other story. But he said, I don't even remember giving you that $20. And I said, because it wasn't important to you, but it meant so much to me and I just felt like a million bucks when I left there I had a job and I had 20 bucks and I feel like now knowing you as an adult I feel like that is you are that kind of person to a lot of people maybe you don't notice it but I definitely see it a lot in you that you emulate what he did for you back then in a lot of people and it doesn't always have to be in a money way it's in a in the way that you carry yourself and you maintain a positive mindset even though you have two terminal illnesses and you were sexually abused as a child and you were homeless from 13 to 16, you still carry yourself as if none of those things happened to you. And I think that's just a true testament to who you are as a person. And honestly, even though being homeless would have been so difficult for you and I can't even imagine, do you feel like it really shaped you into who you are as hard as it was? I think the things that I went through um, don't define me. I think they're a part of who I am and it's my story. It's my history. But a lot of what I take from back then is the good. And I never became hard or um, angry at the world or... uh, did the why me's or anything like that with anything that happened in my life. And I'm glad that you said that because 
I do have a lot of empathy for people and I never uh, want to be different than that. And uh, the, the homeless person that's on the sidewalk, I never judge. And the people that live in mansions, I don't judge them either. And what it did was because I encountered so many different people um, from all walks of life, it, it's given me that. I fit in with the people that uh, I could sit on the street and have a conversation with somebody that lives at a shelter. And I could be at a dinner in, a, in the corporate world with people who uh, make a lot of money. And people are just people. And I have never judged anybody, no matter their circumstances, because in a second life can change and you know and hopefully uh you know people people understand that and I I don't know I certainly do from my past and I think given the situation that we're in right now with COVID-19 like everybody is trying to be a lot more appreciative of the little things that they have but I, I think because of the things you've endured in your life you were already there you were you were ready for something like this mentally like you have always carried yourself as if something could happen and everything could change but it doesn't mean that it has to be this detrimental thing and you go down a bad path you just you always stayed in line and I just want to thank you for sharing this part of your story well, thank you. We can't wait to hear more I, about uh, you. Because <laughs> you have so well, much lots, to tell. There's lots to hear. <laughs> yeah.